1: Welcome to episode 462 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and unfortunately, there was a little bit of a programming note. Some schedules got, say our wires got crossed, and also Sona is already tomorrow. So the day kind of went on. We didn't necessarily have a cancellation, but it got to the point in the schedule where I said, I don't think a full-length podcast that goes an hour makes a lot of sense, less than 24 hours before Barcelona play, because they do play tomorrow afternoon against Osasuna in a game that's shaping up for Osusuna is one that maybe they're gonna rotate a little bit to the point where I don't think we're gonna say as Abde because of that whatever you want to call it, the club provision or whatever the clause is that does not allow your own low knee to play against your club. And I remember a few years ago that Real Madrid was dragged by Kool-Aid's for having that same clause in and now look at Barcelona putting that clause in there. You know, I've always been of the belief that I think that even if you, it's your player and you it's a player that's loaned out to this new club. That player should be allowed to play against their original club. So that that's just how I see it. But, you know, not to see Abde, I think it's going to be disappointing because it really is a chance for Kool to see him up close and personal and see the development and the growth that he has made clearly at Osasuna. But unfortunately, they'll just have to look at the tape and the, the highlights and the match little compilations if they don't watch Osasuna regularly. Either way, I think Osasuna is going to have their eye on the Copa del Rey final, in which they should, which again, Regardless of the Osasuna result, Barcelona fans will likely just be putting on their Osasuna jerseys right after that game ahead of the Copa del Verano against Real Madrid. But again, with no guests or anything like that, this is not even a real full pod. It's just some shorter things from today's news that I just want to make sure you're updated on because, again, I did kind of promise a podcast. I want to make sure that you do have something. One of those things, of course, I think the biggest news of the day is that it didn't even involve Barcelona, is that Barcelona will face Wolfsburg in the Women's Champions League final that after just a <laughs> crazy game between Arsenal and Wolfsburg. Arsenal coming back from 2 nothing down to draw 2-2 in the first leg in Germany and then taking early lead against Wolfsburg back in London before going down 2-1. And then an equalizer comes. It's now 4-4 on aggregate. And then it goes to extra time in front of like 60,000 people at the Emirates, of course, because all these feminines are now playing their biggest match, their Champions League match, matches in the biggest stadium that the club has. And good, good on that. And so then the tie, looking like it's about to be decided on penalties. Instead, Pauline Bremer, gets the winner with two minutes of extra time remaining. So that means it's Wolfsburg against Barcelona. And these two teams last season in the semifinals met Barcelona five one winners at the Camp No winning 2 nothing against Wolfsburg, moving on to, again, what is their fourth Champions League final in five years. Last year, it was three and four. Already won the league. Already have Claudia Pena hopefully coming back soon, as well as Alexi Puteas is on the bench. And I will be breaking down that Champions League final, whether it's before as a preview or after. Actually, give me a little bit of feedback. Would you rather hear us recap the match and go over it? Because I do have a special guest for that. Or would you get more out of a preview, a full preview of the match in anticipation of the Champions League finals. But let me know about all of that and I'll make those decisions as we get closer to the Champions League final in a few weeks time. Some other news, I think some things that shouldn't be that surprising, Lamine Yamal, as I kind of already mentioned yesterday, regardless of whether he was in the first team, it seems like Xavi is pretty sold on him. So it seems like he's going to sign a new contract at Barcelona coming in the summer when his 16th birthday is in July. So I guess I do get a little bit of clarification on that, that even though he technically has another year on this deal, because he's turning 16 and he can sign a professional contract, the club does want him to renew. They'll give him a, we'll say, a big boy release clause and all those different things. And Jorge Mendez, of course, will now be leading that. And the reason why... They said that this contract and the agreement and everything like that was pushed off a little bit was because Jorge Mendes did take over as his agent. And so you gotta by resetting an agent, that means you're basically resetting all those different talks. And we've talked about that before with different players, that you seem like you're ninety percent there with one agent, and then there's a new group that comes in or a new agency, and you've got to have those conversations from the start again. So it seems like the 15 year old is well on his way to signing a new deal that would run until twenty twenty six, which feels like the long, long, far off future. But for him, it puts him at just doing the math here, the ripe old age of 18 when that deal is up, which again is only touching the iceberg of the very start of his career. And that's three years down the road. I don't know how much of the first team he'll see. I mean, he was called up to Osasuna. So I do think Xavi likely going to have him in the squad for much of the remainder of this season. I think Xavi feels like his team, obviously, they should be in a good spot to win the Liga trophy. Because what is already going to be the case that if Barcelona win the game against Osasuna and Real Madrid drop points against Real Sociedad, then Barcelona have the opportunity to win the Liga against Espanyol. There is only, I believe, two wins remaining necessary, or in theory, three wins, and then Real Madrid dropping points. But you get the idea with all those different permutations that Barcelona are on a course to win Liga trophy, if that wasn't any surprise. So a few final notes, I think, from Real Betis, again, a few hours before Osasuna, and kind of some of the things that I do want to see carried over for Barcelona. Of course... That is very much like what I discussed before on the podcast and the five headlines, everything like that, is the structure of the team. By having his quote unquote gala eleven, it allows Xavi tactically to do exactly what he wants to. Do. That's making sure the middle of the field is covered and that's making sure that the width is created by the fullbacks. Now usually, again, Xavi people say that he's very pragmatic and he wants the wingers to decide the width. But in this formation that he has settled with, with the four midfielders, which seems like the only way that Barcelona can control games. So Xavi is prioritizing control in these matchups, especially against the likes of Real Betis, who probably wanted to play a little more up and down. And having Christensen back on the field certainly helped with that. Alex Delmas last week, uh, he didn't have the number, but the number for Christensen against Real Betis, more importantly, even than the goal, was the 46 of 27 on his passing, including one key pass. Yes, again, he gets the goal. But his passing does break through lines. It means that the spacing of Busquets and De Jong, and I'm going to say a boring thing here about rest defense, but it means that when Barcelona are in their rest defenses and they have the ball and are little by little progressing into Real Betis's half of the field and very much in terms of yardage. They're, they're taking as a unit more and more yardage and pushing that line of confrontation or their high line, their back line, which is one of the top five highest in Europe. They're pushing that line higher and higher up the field. Having center backs that can break through those lines with the passing allows De Jong and Busquets to be farther f- up the field for when the potentially that being Barcelona turn the ball over and they can grab it right back. Where Busquets or De Jong, very much like we saw against Raya Vacana for De Jong, he doesn't have to drop in between those center backs and build up in what would be still a 3 2 5. But in this instance, the 3 would be that defensive midfielder. Instead, Arahawk can just give it off to Christensen or hand it off to Busquets or De Jong and the other ones are pushing up the field and also spreading out Betis nice and wide and Christensen cannot be understated. I know Alonzo, his ball playing ability was the idea and I, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, what does he do well? Because if he's not as good a defender as Christensen, his ball playing was supposed to be his best attribute and he came as this left wing back who gets forward yet he can't really be trusted because he's not as good as Balde and not even as good as Alba on that wing. So what's the point of Alonso? Yeah, great questions. But I think, again, that should not take away from the compliment that we are giving Christensen, who winds up scoring a goal for the first time since Chelsea in the FA Cup all the way back in January of 2022, and a first league goal for him, obviously the first one in the Liga for Barcelona, but his first league goal since 2017. So, absolutely capping off just a wonderful, wonderful performance from Anders Christensen. I think, for all things considered, would have been my man of the match due to that. But I also hear the argument for Rafinha, because the really telling stat for Rafinha was that he was one for two on his dribbles and only dispossessed twice. What I really like about what Rafinha did in that game, and our friend of the show, Neil, said on social media, and he was right about it, that with Rafinha, he's become absolutely 100% reactionary as to what Rafinha can do or can't do. If he has an up week, then everybody's up on him. If he has a down week, then everybody's down on him. And, And that's just the way it is for Rafinha this year and maybe beyond. But what I like about what Xavi did with him and what he did in that match was, as I said, those runs underneath and pushing Koundé out wide, you can't do that unless you have the four midfields, unless you have Pedri, De Young, and Gabi, and just those four. No disrespect to Kessie, but he doesn't necessarily fit the exact profiling that Xavi needs. And again, that's one of the big issues that this match against Real doesn't solve that problem. The only problem that it slightly solved, I think, for me is the Rafinha issue, where Xavi didn't have his gala 11 because Dembele came off the bench, but in theory, had a gala 10 plus Rafinha. But again, because Rafinha was just one for two in his dribbles, only dispossessed twice, that tells me that he perfectly fit in a different way than Dembele would. With Dembele in that exact same setup, Koundé is kind of going to stay at home a little bit more because Dembele is obviously going to attract two defenders and it's going to be able to get forward in that way. But the other way to spread out that back line and to attract two defenders, if you will, is to have Rafinha coming inside and Koundé coming around. Because then those defenders, as they're shifting to the left with the numerical overload on the right, you get it over to the right side, over to Koundé, and he can either get in it okay, and he can either find Rafinha and Rafinha either making a run in behind for him, which didn't really happen too often. More likely, he's coming inside and that means Pedri can make that run into the half space or Koundé can just try to cross it in and figure something out, but crossing was not option A. Crossing was option three, if you will. Option one was, it looked like in the early going, getting that ball over the top, but really it was just playing through Real Betis. And then option two was getting that ball over the top to the likes of Rafinha or even Gabi, who was making those runs in behind. And it felt like even before, and I'm saying this before the red card, even before it seemed like Xavi and Barcelona, because they had all of the players that they needed to execute their system, that system was working. And so my hope for the rest of the season is that you do see for the remainder of the year, good match after good match after good performance from Barcelona, because they do have the players that they need. And yeah, I mean, I know they're going to be playing Osasuna, so you might see a little reputation tomorrow. So we might see a bit of a worse Barcelona tomorrow. However, I do feel like for the rest of the season, as they have one match a week, just to figure it all out, get them all on the field, the Gala 10 or Gala 11, whoever it is, Rafinha or Dembele, whoever starts, and you basically go with your 11 take control of every match, win every match, like you are the La Liga champions. And as I said, I'm really optimistic throughout the remainder of this season. And as I said before, I'm not looking beyond that yet, because beyond that, and next season could be Ansu gone, could be Messi back, could be nobody, and just Ansu gone, or, or, or Ferran Torres gone, and Ansu gone, and just Abde back. Or we don't really know exactly what it's going to be. All we know in terms of the Liga and the Messi plan is that it seems like Barcelona is doing their early homework, to submit some of the finances, and it seems like the Liga is not too keen on their plan, which totally makes sense, that to bring back Messi in any way, that they said we need to make X number of revenue, and even though he's gonna take a huge salary reduction to return, even though he's gonna help with a bunch of the different revenue streams in different ways, and that's what Messi guarantees you, it still seems like those things are malleable, and that plan cannot be guaranteed, because Barcelona did guarantee, remember, in their Liga, Revenue plan for this season that they would make the Champions League knockouts. And they did not do that. And that is why in January they were in the trouble they, they were in. If they had made those knockouts, then January could have had a bit more business than it did. But it didn't. So Barcelona, they have to make sure that they're, I'm trying to think of the business words for all this, but there's those things that don't change and then there's the things that can change. And so Barcelona have to give more revenue streams that can't change to convince La Liga. And it seems like, again, with the stadium and all that, they don't have too many options. Last little thing on Rafinha here, the fifth Liga player to reach double figures for both goals and assists this season, along with Vinny Jr., Rodrigo, Jaquezi Villarreal, and Antoine Griezmann, who might be your Liga player of the year because Barcelona, as much as Ter Stegen or Pedri or Lewandowski have all earned it, Griezmann coming off the bench in the first, what, fourth of the season or third of the season before Simeone just threw him on there and said, without us, uh, without you in our starting lineup, we don't know what we can do. And if they get a top three finish, I think it might be Antoine Griezmann because there's a lot of talented players on all the other teams. And again, you can't really give it to one. It's that MVP argument. But yeah, I think Antoine Griezmann initial Liga league a player of the year.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Last little story here is about Ansu Fati. Apparently, $70 million for him. And the question is, if you do sell Ansu, how much does that mean the club can actually spend? Well, somebody, a partido, Unico on Twitter actually tried to do the math here. I don't know how much validity there is to it, but 25% capital gain of 70 million is 17.5. That means you can use that 17.5 to register other players. The 25% capital gain is because he is a academy product to my understanding. And then he has a gross salary of 12 million. And then it's 45% of that salary, which is 4.8. So you combine that with 17.5. That means they would have 22.3 million to use on the wage bill. So you're basically taking a player at 12 million who was not really giving you 12 million production, maybe he was giving you six million production, and then you have 22.3 mil to use in salary or to register players at Nico Martinez, Messi, whatever. So before I actually do put together an opinion on this, I actually would rather just be talking through it with somebody else. So I'm gonna put a pin in this because I do wanna see how much attention that this number and that story continues to get for the coming weeks. And yeah, if that 70 million does make sense and we hear actual clubs connected to that number, Jorge Mendez maybe leaks those kind of things, then I'll discuss this again, put more validity by it. But again, you're basically saying Ansu going one way, and then you got 22.3 mil on the wage bill to spend in theory. Again, that is just to register, but those registrations could include Araujo, Gabi, Balde, and Alonso, who also renewed, and Roberto who also renewed. So those are even the players that you're talking about first that they have to register to get under that number. But there's just so much going on that we don't know, and the math is just confusing. So anyway, I think it's a good place to leave it. I should have learned my lesson not to make podcast promises, but I will. <laughs> I should, at least with somebody else, have another podcast coming out later in the week where we're going to discuss Osasuna and some of the straggling conversations that we didn't necessarily get to, I or I didn't get to alone, for Real to. So until next time, as always, thanks so much for being with me for our time.